Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Porsche driver Bailey Hall, our Porsche Young Gun, is going to join us. He's having a fantastic year in 2023. Had his first Porsche Carrera Cup win on the weekend on the Gold Coast. We'll talk to him about that and so much more. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell to join me to talk about what's been a massive week in motorsports, supercars, F1, heaps of things happening in the world of motorsport, and also our hots and knots, all to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. And as always, off the top of the program, Richard Crowell, g'day to you, mate. Oh, Tony Trebecki, can I just say that leaving the Gold Coast was hard? Uh, I wouldn't want to live there, but uh, what an event. And that place to visit for a couple of days every year in October... Um, to see the sights, everything that goes around it. That is just one of the great Australian motor racing experiences and another classic for the record books on the weekend at every level, not just the main game, not just the Supercars Championship, which was excellent, um, but at every level, both on and off the racetrack. So tremendous weekend. It was definitely hard to tear myself away from sunny Queensland on Monday morning, but uh, all the better for having been there for a pretty spectacular weekend. Yes, uh, we won't delve into hots and knots just yet, but oh, uh, least, I tell you. Queensland, beautiful one day, absolutely pelting down the next. Yeah, it was interesting, but uh, the weather was the, the least good thing about the event. But our first guest, Shebex, had a very good weekend. Uh, this young man has been racing around the world this year in one mate Porsche racing. And uh, gradually over the course of this year's Painter Dixon Career Cup Australia has risen and risen and risen. And on the weekend, he became... The seventh different winner from seven rounds in our championship. 
And the newest winner in One Make Porsche Racing in Australia, his name is Bailey Hall, and he joins us on the show for the first time. Bailey, welcome and congratulations, mate. That was a hell of a weekend for you. Yeah. How you doing, boys? Good to see you. Um, it was an awesome weekend, you know, to get that first win in Carrera Cup, but then also on my home streets was was amazing. So I'm surprised to hear you wouldn't um, want to live up here. Why is that? You know, <laughs> you, you get a suntan for once, maybe. I enjoy seasons that aren't hot and then humid. So I, I like winter. Uh, but no, look, I love I love visiting it. Hey, we'll, we'll touch on the weekend later. But for those that haven't followed your career, you, you haven't plied the usual path to get yourself into the top level of Porsche racing in Australia. Just tell us about your journey to this point. Yeah, well, I started go-karting when I was about six years old. So that's uh, that's the one constant that I, I managed to do. So I started go-karting with the Jack Doans and the Brock Feenies of the world. And uh, we've all progressed and gone somewhere. Um, a lot of people usually use the open wheeler, the Formula Ford style of racing that teaches you even more fundamentals but for me at one stage it was it was a hobby and dad and i we got into honda excel racing um so grassroots racing you know i think we bought a car for two and a half thousand dollars and spray painted it ourselves <laughs> and i was a uh, I i was in grade eight at school so i was only about 13 years old so i uh, started there and and just progressed my way through you know queensland touring cars which was a X Street registered VE Commodore, which I hold drilled out the doors and tried to get the weight under 1600 kilos, but I never managed to <laughs> um, as a 15 year old. And then um, when I was 16, I got the chance to do the Bathurst 12 hour in a Mark II Mustang, thanks to Jeff Taunton. So um, it very quickly became um, me going to um, around the nation, um, learning a lot of different tracks in the Mark cars. And then Andy McRae, um, after I pestered him for six months, gave me a chance to drive one of his cars. And uh, I, I, I got the chance to race with him in, in Sprint Challenge the next year after impressing him on that test day. So, yeah, it's although it's been a long journey, it's been 13 years now since I started go-karting, it, uh, it's actually still also been quite short. So um, after two rounds in Sprint Challenge, and thanks to COVID shutting us down, as we all know, um, I made the chance. I made the choice to just step straight up to Carrera Cup and and learn what this 992 car was all about. And uh, what's that going to be? Eight plus seven. So we're talking 15 rounds in. I uh, I get my very first win. So uh, pretty stoked. Andy McRae will tell you that six months is nothing. There's been people annoying him for the last 30 years, but <laughs> that's another story. Uh, when you started go karting, was why was motor racing your your goal what was motivating your sport was there family involvement in the past take us through that yeah well no one in my family had ever raced but uh always been super keen v8 supercars fans so we've always had a ford versus for uh for ford versus ferrari ford versus holden um rivalry all the way through the family and my dad was massively into cars and just something clicked when i was even one or two years old i had plenty of model cars all around my room and 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 playing with them on the kitchen bench to my mother's demise um, <laughs> just, um always imitating races and things like that it just something was always there and then when i got the chance to hop on a go-kart you know 
as we all know, I, I got the drug and I was addicted. So um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a very cool process to get to where we are today. And and I used to be a, a three year old kid with his head pressed up against the glass at the Gold Coast Six Hundred, um, and all of a sudden here I am racing around the, those very streets. I remember so, you when you made your Bathurst Twelve Hour debut. I remember the team coming to me and going, "Now, Crowley, we've got this kid." who we've sort of plucked out of nowhere to drive this car. Here's a bit of background. Here's a bit of knowledge. I think I might've met you in the paddock that weekend. I can't remember, but what was that like? What was that experience like to basically drop yourself on the national scene at that race, which is brutally challenging, fast, long, physical. It's got all the attributes of a, the major race that it is. What was that experience like? Yeah, well, I remember writing my um, commentary notes, trying to make myself sound like something like I'm up and coming and important. Yeah. And really, when you look back at it, I was a nobody. Um, and I'd never even driven the track. The very first time I'd driven Bathurst was the, the Bathurst Challenge, um, just about a month before that event. It's like a time trial event where the very first time I ever hopped in a left-hand drive car as well. So huh. there was a lot of first going on um, and it was, it was awesome. We brought in my good mate, Warren Luff, who's known me since a toddler. Um, and pretty much it was just give it a crack, see what I can learn. Um, you know, yeah. Put myself on that national scale and, um, and try and improve myself as a, as a driver. And it's such an amazing event. I remember losing about three or four kilos in that single day. Um, and I was, I was still only in grade 10. So um, that was, that was really cool. Got the week off school. <laughs> Bathurst, and, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, an amazing event. Like all the um, fuel strategy and um, tire strategies and driver changes and things like that. You know, that's just, that's just things I was never used to. And uh to get that all in one weekend and uh, enjoy myself. It was great. So you get the Bathurst ticked off the list. That's done. And the first continue because in the next year, you get to drive your first Carrera Cup car at your first Australian Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about being involved in a Grand Prix. A Grand Prix is one of the craziest events I've been to, you know, um, in that in that first year from it coming back after covid and after drive to survive it just blew up i think we recorded almost five hundred thousand people there in, in a single weekend um but same deal you know i was in a brand new car i was at a brand new track i was in a brand new championship uh there was so many firsts going on that it was all about keep your head on straight learn as much as you can you know you're going to make mistakes because you got to, if you don't try it now, then you never know in the future. So um, that's what it was all about, really, um, just bringing it home straight, but then also taking home uh, quite, a, quite a lot of lessons learned. Um, but to be inside the, the streets that you've been watching for a while, because Albert Park, as we all know, is pretty much a street circuit. Um, so from looking on the outside, it's, it's amazing fun. But when you're inside the concrete walls, it completely changes your view on everything. And, uh, and that's one thing that I, I will forever remember. Uh, let, let's talk about your build in Carrera Cup because you touched on your level of experience or lack thereof coming into it. 
A uh, couple of top 10 finishes in your rookie season last year. Certainly some baptisms of fire amidst all of that. Um, but this year, it, it struck me that you got to sort of, if not Darwin, maybe Townsville, and it all just sort of gelled. Was that what it felt like for you? Because there was a massive upswing in results at that point. And from there, the trajectory's been in the same direction since then. And we'll come to the America stuff in a minute. But but was it a, a, a clicking moment or did you just have to get that rookie year out of your way and, and tick that off to, to get that progression this season? Yeah, look, I think COVID, as as it did to most people, it it sort of, it costs, it cost me quite a bit of seat time. Um, so only getting two rounds ever in a Porsche, you know, learning the craftsmanship and, and the race craft and, you know, how to qualify well and things like that. It, it cost me quite a lot of time there. So getting through my rookie career cup season was learning the six out of eight tracks, um, learning what the championship is like um, and really just taking everything on board. Um, as we all know, Career Cup's one of the most competitive championships in the world and last year's field, if not as competitive as this year's field. So um, whenever you're in that battle pack down the back, a lot of damage is caused. So um, I was, yeah, pretty much in the, in the midst of that all year long. And now I'm going to tracks for the second time. I mean, you're still only talking for the second time ever um, against guys that have been to these tracks 10 plus times and it's starting to click all the things that I tried last year that didn't work. I can now put in play with the things that I know will work and it's starting to come together. Um, I remember being stoked with a top eight at the Grand Prix. Mm. I was absolutely pumped with that. And to think two rounds later, I'd be qualifying half a 10th off pole and putting it P3 at Townsville. Um, you know, I dream of that stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's still been some um, some damage along the way. You know, Townsville race one and Bathurst race one, but instead this year's it's only been those those two bad events, um, two bad races. Last year it was at least one or two of those races every round. Um, so it's just been about me getting used to this car, um, getting used to the tracks really, um, and just committing. You know everything that I've learned, I'm starting to put it all together. And, and that's where we're seeing everything just progressively step forward. Um, yeah, I, with the podium down in Sandown, um, only only two rounds ago, if you said I was going to win on the streets of the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. be, you know, I'd be crossing my fingers hoping, um, but you never know what's going to happen in this category. And, and that's why we all love it so much. Now, Crosley, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what I like about this kid a lot <laughs> is that he doesn't come in to this whole category with any sort of former attitude. And, mm. and, and, some, and some kids can suffer that. They can have successful careers as a, a junior and then come up into the senior ranks and start having a bit more of a, a better opinion of maybe of where they are. But this young lad here, Crowles, he looks like he's just a white slate and very easy for the boys at McElroy Racing to mould into the way that they want him to be. Well, I agree with that. And actually, that that leads nicely, Shebex, into my next question, which was tail and bend. Uh, when this kid was in full race fan mode because he was racing one of his heroes, Garth Tander, and you beat him. So tell, tell me about that, mate, and tell me about the photo because that's such a good story. Yeah, well... Uh... 
if anyone knows my dad, Roy, he's a, a fiend for getting photos and making memories and he's got his GoPro out taking videos. So um, he's got a photo of me back in the day, at, actually at the Gold Coast 600 when um, Tanda was racing with Walkinshaw and um, I was about, you know, hip height with Tanda. And then uh, all of a sudden he's racing with us at the bend. So that was, that was a really cool event to get him out there. At the same time, that was my first time running around in the top five. So mm. I was really pumped to be doing that. And then uh, when I saw Tanda behind me, I'm like, all right, we're going to have a bit of fun here. So um, then when we came in after the event, we're like, hey, mate, you want to grab a quick photo? We'll do this little comparison. And then he's like, I should be asking for a photo with you because you <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you should. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> he did Very tell nice. me how old it made him feel, though. That was uh, That's one of the things you get when you're at that point in your career, I think. Um, so it all built to last weekend, mate. Um, an incredible weekend for, for so many reasons. And we could spend an entire podcast talking about where Carrera Cup's at at the moment because it's just completely insane. And we're going to have a massive championship battle on the streets of Adelaide in a couple of weeks. But um, tell me about your weekend. Fifth in race one your first race win on Sunday morning in the Enduro and then absolutely nailed the finale in front of a big crowd and a big TV audience on Sunday afternoon to win both races on that day and, and take the round win. So just, just walk me through it and, and talk me through what was going through your mind on Sunday in particular. Yeah. Well, I, I know we're going to touch on it as well. The American championship that I raced in, but I had to come straight from Texas landed Wednesday morning um, before a uh, track walk on Thursday and practice one, I had to adapt back to this car straight away. Um, and really it was only my second time ever to the track. So um, still a lot, you know, coming at me fast mm. and um, practice two, we get whacked with some rain. So um, there was a lot going on to start with and then um, red flag and qualifying. And, you know, it just, it, it never was a dull moment. And then starting fifth and race one, I got another, I got a first blinder start of the weekend and I'm like, all right, I reckon we could be on for something here. Um, the pace was hot, but we only got two green racing laps. So I had to convert and do it again on Sunday morning. And um, when I got that good start and then a few cool moves, went around the outside of the hairpin, which uh, you don't see very often. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, passing championship contenders and championship winners. And um, when I put myself up behind hedge in that enduro I was, I was pretty confident and then i i learned about his penalty only with a lap to go and um came across the line uh pretty stoked and um i spent the whole next few hours just trying to contain myself to go all right you've done it once um you know to prove to people you deserve to be here you need to do it again so um that's where my head was at just had to convert. Um, that was the main plan for Sunday afternoon's race. Um, and once we got that good jump off the line, I knew I could just hit my markers every lap. And and yeah, we shouldn't have had a problem. But I look back at all my all my laps, lap times, and things like that, and we were lapping half a second quicker than the pole lap. So uh, I was I was really happy with the pace, and um, and brought it home, which I was pretty pumped about. Well done, mate. Finally, we should ask you about the uh, USA and the fact that McElroy have a fantastic setup now over there in the States, Tom Sargent doing his thing and, and the like. Uh, take us through your time over there and what you learned. 
Yeah, well, it's it's really cool to have McIlroy uh, on two continents, two championships. Um, Andy's done a great job building up a team over there. All the guys over there work really hard. Um, and it, it was great to work with the new crew as well and, and um, help them develop. Obviously, I'm starting to bring my expertise from what I've learned here um, over there. So I got to race two really cool tracks, Laguna Seca and Circuit of the Americas for the Formula One. And uh, weren't they great events? You know, they had over 300,000 people at, at both events. I think Coda had 350,000 in a single day, um, oh, hmm. Sunday, which is just massive. So it was really cool to, to get over there, experience a different championship. Um, the car's slightly different. It run the ABS, um, which is one of the only championships to have that in Carrera Cup. So um, there was a lot of learnings going on there, but we stuck it in the top 10 um, in, in both races at Laguna and then Coda. The results didn't quite follow, but um, it gave me so much seat time that allowed me to, once again, try more things, learn some more um, techniques. Um, and I guess you could say that's that's been able to carry over. Um, but America is massive right now. The, yeah. the motorsport world over there is just insanely big. You know, the economy around it, you can just see the money filtering through. Um, and it's definitely a pathway that I think is is something to be looked at, and um, it's definitely attractive right now to to go mm. and the US. I don't know whether you know Bailey, but Richard and I have been to the Indy 500 when there was 400,000 people. So come back to us when you're 410, mate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Well, crack up North America racing in Indianapolis, so you might be able to do it. Hey, last one. You've done well. Um, A lot of race car drivers don't have a backup plan. Uh, One of the things that impressed me most about your former teammate last year, Harry Jones, was that he's gone off and done the university degree in engineering and all sorts of stuff and has got a plan B for the whole motorsport stuff. Now, I understand you do as well because you're involved in the family firm, right? And, and you've you've ticked off the boxes to become a properly trained, fully authorised financial planner. Is that correct? Yeah, bloody earth, mate. I, <laughs> I smashed that out um, all the way through grade 12 um, and then all the way through the rookie season last year. So, um, yeah, fully qualified mortgage broker, financial planner, um, all the all the services that we do at the family business at Hall Finance and Insurance Solutions. Nice plug. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's really cool to to work with my dad. Um, he's been doing it for 20 years, pretty much since I was born. So um, he he smashes it out um, and teaches me as much as I can. And nice. yeah, it's really cool to be able to work in the family business, look make it look like I'm trying to help fund my own racing. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Having a plan B is so important. Um, all of you guys know how cutthroat this industry can be. So um, making sure that you you keep busy when you're not at the track and um, and building up a network is is so important. Well, Shebex, I reckon financial planning is a good skill to have as a well, race car driver. So I've had I've had my mortgage for two or three years now, so I might be looking at making a bit of a change and seeing if we can find some better rates. So it might be worth a call, Bailey. Yeah, mate, anytime, anytime for you. Beautiful. That's all we can do. Hey, uh, congratulations, mate. What a fantastic weekend on the Gold Coast for you. What a fantastic year it's been uh, and a fantastic two years, actually, to knock off uh, things that you've really wanted to do and you've done it. You've been there, you've done that, and there's still so many more exciting things to come. Wish you all the best in Adelaide and uh, a really big 2024 hopefully awaits. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, Adelaide's going to be a big fun. Uh, I've never even driven that track before, so uh, let's just go out there, learn what we can, and and make make it hella fun. <laughs> Valley Hall joining us here on the grid. We'll be back to more on the grid in just a second. Now, let's face it. Everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. And now, back to the podcast. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. As we welcome Mark Walker to the podcast. G'day, Mark. Hello, Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. Wasn't it nice that Supercast decided to turn up on the 28th of October, 2023? <laughs> yes, it took them 11 events, but they finally got there, didn't they? <laughs> it was a yeah. great, great weekend. Uh, good sport. Really good sport on the weekend. Um, reminds you what it is capable of. And the irony is we're never going to know whether it was parody or the place or the something in the air or whatever, but... Um, they were two properly good car races um, in the main game on the weekend. It was so good. Give you the tip. It was parody. <laughs> well, it may well have been. It which, may well have been. Which means we are set up for a fantastic finale, aren't we? Well, yeah, you'd like to, you'd like to think so. We get a championship decider, which is fair. Um, we get the, the champion in second place chasing the, the underdog. Um, who's been the big dog this year. And then all the underlining storylines of, um, about half a dozen Fords all trying to be the next one to win a race in two races left to try and win something this year. So, um, yeah, there's there's so many great subplots going into the final round uh, on the streets of Adelaide in uh, a couple of weeks' time. But they, they were just generally great car races, weren't they? Um, Saturday sort of burbled along until the until the last 10 laps, and then it all blew up. And Sunday was a pretty, pretty good dogfight the whole way through and some really, really good racing. Um, and, and proof, I think, again, that that 250K format is Supercar's best of any format they run. That is the best balance between a tyre race, a fuel race, a strategy race, a driver race. Um, they tend to produce, on average, more good races than bad. So, yeah, really good weekend overall and some pretty pretty great displays of race car driving and some really terrible ones as well, but we'll get to those. That's <laughs> uh, one of the big... Big talking points. It's a world motorsport issue at the moment is track limits. And they're on the Gold Coast. They're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Because if they had the tyre bundles there, we'll have an absolute carbon copy replay of last year's massive what up, which was pointless. And so they got rid of the tyre bundles and then they put in these curbs, which 
I saw one solution there was why don't they have a scoreboard with how many curb strikes you got left? At least you're able to engage the fans that way who aren't mm. left guessing and just hear James Taylor's voice every three seconds with a uh, bad sportsmanship flag, all of the cars. But it was a silly situation because you could have a deal like Sunday where David Reynolds didn't use any of his curb strikes for 250 Ks. Mm. And then on the last lap when he needed to defend, he just blew straight through the, mm. uh, through the, Chicane got three car lengths, saved a tenth and a half, and won the race because of that. Which I don't think's cricket. Like I would have preferred to see him take the chicane, like like yeah, he should have. But I I actually don't mind it because you you you're playing the game to the rules you're given. But so but if, change if, the rules. The, yeah, the, yeah that, sure. That rules but, not good. But at the moment, that's the rule. So well done, Dave. For and and clearly the engineer because like it's not Dave counting in the car. Let, let's be honest. <laughs> um, it, it's well done that team for for keeping him apprised and well done him for not burning them early in the race. He played exactly to the rule book and had them to burn at the end. So if they're the rules that are on the table, so be it. I, well, well, I, I don't, don't mind. We just that. just advertise it flat out as a joke a lot. But the the problem is that do you want that right? Do you want Dave? hitting or getting it all wrong going into turn one, the thing's trying to fire him off into the wall because it's a bit of a pig of a car by that point. He shortcuts, gains a half, tenth and a half or whatever it was and wins the race. Or do you want him to cross the line, do that, cross the line first and then lose the race because he gets a five-second penalty after the chequered flag? I'm all for the former because we shouldn't, we still shouldn't be costing but, someone a race win but that's after like the chequered flag. You get your curb strike in the top 10 shootout, you know you're done. Like, mm. I, I don't know what this, there's no good solution here. We've got these arbitrary chicanes there, which are awesome. They're the best part mm. of any racetrack in Australia, but they cause all this strife at the same time, which is uh, relatively suboptimal. I mean, I think I it just people... has to be boys have at it. I'd like, just let them go. Does, I, I it, saw, does it make a difference? I saw the counter to the, you know, Davy breezing through the chicane. Well, well, Brody wore out his bumper bar coming onto the straight. I don't know whether that was Brody wearing out his bumper bar or Dave just playing a bit of racecraft there and backing up to Brody mm. so he didn't get a run. Like he optically on TV, you go, oh, Brody's using him up, but he never did a bumper run. Like mm. whether that was genuinely Brody giving him one to Dave or Dave just backing up, slow on the gas, hard on the brakes, whatever it was, it um, made it spicy. Yeah. It's good, good racecraft. The thing with the curbs, the the Porsches last year were probably were the worst out of the lot because uh, because of all the dramas with sm smoking radiators on those curbs at the beach chicane in particular. Um, but also, turn two gave them heaps of grief because it's actually a it's not as big a curb; they can hit more of it in the cup car. But the beach chicane this year for Porsche was actually I'm not going to say it was a non-event because there were a few five seconders handed out, but only a handful. But in a cup car, they're self-policing because they cannot use as much curb as a supercar. So for I'm not going to say 98% of the time because that would be lying. 90% of the time, the Porsches were actually very well behaved with curb use at every point on that circuit on the weekend because they, are, they physically cannot use as much curb as a supercar. They don't have the ride control. They're stiffer sprung. Um, and they just don't have that ability to smoke a curb. Now, they can still whack them pretty hard, and there were a few curb violations, especially at the beach chicane, but it almost became self-policing for them. So removing the tyre bundles for them was 
a genius idea. It was outstanding. In fact, there were drivers, there were some drivers complaining that they actually wanted the tie bundles back, which I didn't think would be a thing that would happen. <laughs> um, because they they just they lost the visual aid and they were all a bit lost because they didn't know where their apex was anymore. But um yeah, it's funny how it, it chops and changes category to category. And it turns out supercars are too good at hitting curbs. Uh, and stands the reason why the, all the Porsches crashed at turn 11 where there's no curb. Exactly right. No curb at all. Mm, correct. Hmm. We'll, we'll come to that, I think. Uh, great to see Dave Reynolds get a, a win. Was that good for him? Good for the team? Oh, it was good for everybody. Good for the sport. Yeah, it was, it was exactly the race result supercars needed. Like the championship leader chasing down... A, let's be honest, wild card. Um, I don't like hands up. Who thought that the leading forward on the weekend would be David Reynolds? No, but it was, it was Cam Waters. He finished first and third. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the winner of the Sunday race is the one that oh, gets remembered, right, isn't it? Mm. But but even Davey, like he's lame duck situation there. He's a goner. He's off to Team Charlie next mm. year. What, what are Dave the odds finished, of that? Dave finished. Um, Dave won the round, mate. Did he? Yeah, oh. third and first. Finish higher finisher on the Sunday race gets the oh. gets the round result if if that was still a thing, still gets talked oh. about. Mm. There, you go. there you go. I was probably more impressed by, uh, you know, the, there was that there. I, Brody's in that championship situation that had to play in his mind that he wasn't necessarily going to go full send. But Waters on that last lap, yeah. Saturday Arvo was one hundred and thirty percent committed. The fact yeah. that he gapped Van Gears by that much through that back chicane was absolutely ludicrous. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and I agree. That was an awesome drive. And I went and watched them for that race um, for a little bit, and it was spectacular down there. But from a sporting storyline point of view, like, I mean, Reynolds winning is good for business. And this, this, the fire extinguisher thing has been the number one headline out of the weekend. It's not Ford mm. winning again. It's not all that. That's what the sport has missed, I think, a little bit as well in all of this stuff going on. And Brody's awesome, and he's actually a pretty good interview these days as well. Shane, Shane. Will Brown hasn't had success since Townsville. Will's always fun when he wins, but he hasn't won anything since the middle point of the season. Um, you know, Brock Feeney winning Sandown was awesome, but he's been no good since then. So the sports needed a character win at some point as well just to give us another storyline, which is what it did. Uh, it was interesting to see that Will Brown went and had back surgery between rounds there so whether that has been something that's been mm. holding him back a bit since whenever he hurt his back so uh, hopefully now that he's got that sorted out he'll be a good thing next year but you're right brock and will they were nowhere in the weekend they yeah. absolutely battled they went full dick johnson racing on us so uh who were podium thing at bathurst and they were p absolutely nowhere in the weekend crowds crazy uh record crowds they were they that big Oh, I mean, I'm not doubting they were record oh, crowds, yeah, but yeah, what did they it look were, like? Yeah, stupid. Um, massive. Yeah. I, I think I put a message on the chat on Friday, on our group chat on Friday, saying something along those lines. But um, I, I reckon the increase from last year, which was 1,000 people, it was 200,000 last year, 201 this year. The increase was on the Friday. That, that was a great Friday crowd. Mm. And I have absolutely no idea why. Because Friday was the worst day of the weather and the the least compelling day of on track program at a street circuit event supercars have had for a long time, and yet the crowd was massive. Well, so, but, that, but that could have been the reason is that no, you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't go to Movie World, Dream World, all that because it was so wet. 
So you might oh. as well just go to the car racing. Yeah, it, it, it actually wasn't that wet though, mate. Like it was, okay. wet, it was wet for a little bit. It, it was a very, very Queensland wet. It, it rained and it rained a lot in three minutes and then it mm. stopped just in time for Porsches to go out. And then by the time the supercars ran, it was dry again. So, um, but in the morning it was sunny. It was okay. And when we rolled up to the track and then this big front came over and it was overcast and blustery, it was, it was an unpleasant day of weather warm enough but just just generally not very nice but yeah the, the crowd was awesome it, it's so well done and the level of marketing and promotion around that event is very very impressive and it, it is you use the cliche but it is an event that you know it's on from the moment you get into town and you know you land at gold coast airport and the baggage reclaim things have got little racing cars on them that keep doing laps around it while you're waiting for your bags and there's little stuff like that from the moment you land, you know it's on. So, you know, it's a supercars promoted event. They do an outstanding job with it. Boost throw cash at it, which is outstanding. Um, all their activations and everything they've done around it was very, very good. Yeah, it, it's a sensational event. And um, it, it appears that it's never been healthier. Mm. Uh, heading into Adelaide, who wins, Brody? Mm, it's his to lose Brody, now, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. his to lose. Yeah, he could win it Saturday. I think the bigger battle will be for the team's championship because there's 170 points on offer there between the two drivers. So there's a lot more chance that they will uh, switch around sort of thing. If, uh, mm. if Will doesn't turn up to the party there and Brock has a good weekend, like he did in Adelaide last time out. But uh, the thing about Adelaide, there's consequence there. There's a lot of walls and they're pretty close. So you don't want to be making any mistakes or have something else go wrong around you. So he's going to have to be careful. Yeah, and uh, great to see supercars give us another two legs of the calendar. Here we go. The hot, they're coming. The hots and lots are coming. Oh, <laughs> good. Excellent. Uh, Mark, you went to Calder. Hots and lots are coming. How about that formula? <laughs> this this segment just ruins our show. It yeah, does, we can't it? talk about Nothing. anything because it all feeds into <laughs> what, what about the hots and What nuts. about the Formula One? Well, we I was going to get that. to that, but we can get to it now if you like. Um, it was a big weekend for our Aussies. Dan yeah, needed that, didn't he? Daniel Ricciardo goes all right, doesn't he? 100%. Mm. Saying that, I, I have a feeling that the Alpha Tauri was a decent weapon there in Mexico on the oh, weekend. Outstanding. The Red like, Bull's a decent weapon, and it's not helping Sergio Perez, is it? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll dip into my knots there. I like how he, he's turned in in the entire universe, and he pretty much in his interview said that because it's my home Grand Prix, I could do that. But yeah. I don't know if that's how things yeah. really operate. Yeah. It was, was um, but like the, the Alpha Tauri was a decent weapon there in the yeah. weekend. I mean, yep. Yuki qualified P nowhere. And when Yuki Yuki himself on the front of Oscar's car, he was right behind Dan. Like he yep. would have been right Solid there with drive. him. So um, I well, got them up two two spots in the world championship as well. It's worth twenty five million dollars <laughs> potentially if they can stay there to their bottom line next year with in whatever form they become because we still don't know what they're going to be called. Seriously, I, I don't know what we're going to get first: the supercars calendar or what AlphaTauri becomes next year because we don't know either okay. of them. What well, what about what happens at Red Bull? Like when are they going to mm. park Sergio? Like the rumor mill's gone very very hard this week, and it's ranged from. Daniel Ricciardo is going to wind up there to Fernando Alonso is going to wind up there to Sir Stroll as solely share and Aston Martin. Um, do you 
Do you want to be Max's teammate? No, at no point. But I would love to see someone who has zero Fs to give in that car. Fernando? And I'm talking about Fernando Alonso. Yeah. That, 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 that would be good. It would That'd be, be good so scenario. good. Like, it, it would end in cataclysmic shunt somewhere between the two of them, <laughs> no doubt. But <laughs> but at least you'd, it, the, the ride to get to that point would be unbelievable because you have you know that he will give absolutely zero Fs at any point, which is awesome. And that's what it needs in that car. A Red Bull don't need that in that car. Absolutely. But um, right now there's a chance that Checo, like he, he might lose second in the championship, which in that car would just be unbelievably poor. So if Ferrari can actually convert qualifying into a race for once in their life. Um, it would be, uh, it would, it's going to be really interesting for Sergio. He has to finish second, but if you don't finish second in the world championship in that car, you have to go. I don't know how you can keep them on, keep him on the books after that, which is a sad story, but yeah, just hasn't, for whatever it is, hasn't clicked with this car. So Checo second in the points, Max is over double his point score yeah, at this point know. of the season. Yeah, yeah. How ludicrous is that? He's won and the it... Constructors' Championship on his own. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other stat from the weekend there with the Aussies is that's the first Aussie double point score in an F1 race since Brazil 2013. Mm. So good stat there for the Aussie, Aussie, Aussies. So nice job. Yeah, very, very good job. Uh, anything we need to talk about in the States? Uh, NASCAR. So they're at Martinsville for the f- second last race of the season. Uh, out of the running are Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, and Chris Buescher. Uh, in are Willie Byron and Ryan Blaney, who won to get in in Martinsville. Uh, and they're both in the final four for the first time ever at Phoenix next weekend. Uh, Kyle Larson, the 2021 champ, is in, as is Christopher Bell, who is the only person who backed up from last year's final four. So he's got a bit of form on the board there. Uh, perhaps the hardest uh, this week is going to be on a single person will be Erin Blaney, who not only has her brother in the final four, but her boyfriend, who happens to be Willie Byron. Huh. Oh, so, the, so the Byron Blaney... Thanksgiving party this year might be uh, might have a bit <laughs> on. It's all right. Larson's going to smoke them all, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. Well, Blaney's finished second at Phoenix twice uh, in previous years when he hasn't been in the final four, so he's a good thing there. And Penske have form on the board winning the championship race last year with Joe Logano. Uh, Christopher Bell's been very good lately, but Willie Byron is probably the, the one who sort of just pointed his way in there. So it's going to be interesting. Any of them can win and any of the stories would be pretty de- pretty decent, I reckon. All right, let's get straight into our hots and knots so we can finish off the last half an hour of the program. <laughs> uh, and we can say officially, uh, well, unofficially, because we'll formalise it at some point in the near future, that the hots and knots Shebeks are brought to us by Caltex. Oh. What a business. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you I was, at, I was just going to throw that in there for comedy reasons. But I no, could have actually well, been serious. I'm quite certain that you throwing it in for comedic reasons a few weeks ago has actually led to them coming on for serious reasons. So we've actually got a sponsor for the Hots and Knots, which is just um, just tremendous. And I've got another hot. So, so I'm going to kick things off here because I was at the Gold Coast on the weekend, which was great. So hot, the Gold Coast event. Tremendous. Fantastic. Uh, massive, busy all the time. The vibe was great. Everything was tremendous. Uh, I'm going to give a hot to supercar merchandise. Now, whether it's your taste or not, 
the most impressive thing for mine was the number of people sporting team gear on the weekend. Supercar merchandise remains a hugely valuable part of our game. And I walked up and back from the Carrera Cup paddock to the commentary box and back um, eight times on the weekend. And just the amount of merch that was being sported was outstanding. So teams that don't have merch or don't have good merch, get it together because uh, you're missing out on some cold, hard cash. So get on board with that. And well done to everybody um, for sporting that as well. And then I would also like to just throw in a, a special hot to those who still rock up to that event wearing IndyCar merch because it just gives you that little feeling in the feels that it's still indie like it was for so many years. So to the, the people in the willpower champ car shirt, and I saw someone and I just, it made me smile in a Newman Haas racing shirt. Uh, that was great. And it wasn't like a Bourdais McDonald's one. It was pre Bourdais, which is just tremendous. So um, that is a massive hot for mine. Brilliant. Uh, A&A corner gets a hot. Uh, first time I've stayed at the what was the old A hotel oh, yeah. uh, stuff of myth and legends uh, of the indie days down at the old what was the old left hander that brings them up uh, on Dew Avenue. Such a good view, That's such a, a good view. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I know a lot of stuff happened on those balconies, so uh, I imagined that, uh, and it was tremendous. So, uh, and I love the fact that people still call it A and A. Uh, you, where are you staying? I'm Mantra on view. Oh, A&A, excellent, good stuff. So a uh, little bit of motorsport history there. Um, I'm going to give a hot to uh, Paul Gert, who's the spare parts manager <laughs> <laughs> at Porsche Motorsport Australia, and Amber Dunlop, who's the sign writer that comes away to all our Carrera Cup rounds. And in fact, all of the teams uh, in the Carrera Cup paddock for their Herculean efforts to turn around cup cars and get them back on the grid. Uh, after Fabian Coulthard's little dramas, Porsche Centre Melbourne, Maddie and his boys uh, were there till 11 o'clock on yeah. Saturday night. So there were no uh, no evening swim for them. Uh, a number of other teams worked pretty late to get cars on the racetrack as well. And is, there, uh, is there any truth to the rumour that the Porsche Spare Parts Christmas Party is going to be on the International Space Station? Well, no, that that was last year with the, with the radiators. Um, <laughs> So no, very few radiators done this year. I think it was only three um, oh. and none of them related to curbs or tire bundles, which was tremendous. So um, uh, if you need a, a Porsche 992 cup car radiator, um, we've got some excess stock that we could probably do a really good deal on. Um, having said that, Adelaide, things happen. So um, that's the thing. Uh, I want to give a hot to sponsors because a lot of sponsors right now are doing a really good job at activating and uh, boost is one of them and full credit for all the talk and hubris around Pete Adderton on social media, man, they, they put their mouth where their money is. So uh, outstanding job. Very impressive. Don't raise your eyebrows at me with that line, Chebex. Um, <laughs> and just rounding off my little gold coast, little hots. Cause it was such a, it was a really enjoyable weekend. Hot the Biff. The Biff was brought back on the weekend. The Biff, was, the Biff was present in Carrera Cup and the Biff was present in Super Utes. Maybe a little extreme in Super Utes, but uh, the Biff. I love the Biff. The passion is so important in our game at all levels. And people only look at supercars. And um, when, when it overflows the Passion Cup uh, in the support categories and people just, it, I think it actually lifts them up and people go, oh, gee, this actually really does mean a huge amount. Uh, moving on to other things, hot 
the Bathurst 12 hour. That's all? Good. Hot. Good. Okay. That's yeah. good. Uh, hot. Jordan Roddy. Those uh, who follow historic motor racing in particular will know of the Roddy family, Mike and his son Jordan, who have been around for a long time, in particular with Jaguars. Um, very involved in those with the Tom Walkinshaw Racing 85, Bathurst Jag and things like that. But Geordie lived all of our dreams on the weekend because he got to drive for the first time his champ car. He has bought the, from the auction, from Newman Haas, the Sebastian Bourdais championship winning 2005 spec Lola champ car in full wow. McDonald's regalia. And on the weekend, drove it for the first time and said it was one of the best days in his life outside of his wedding. I'm pretty certain he was lying. I'm pretty certain it was the best day of his life. Uh, Geordie, that, that's a hot just for living your dream like that, mate. That is outstanding. Um, a little hot to Hot Wheels, actually, because I was at my local discount supermarket store the other day, and they have the Hot Wheels there, and I like to have a look and see if I can pick some up for my nephew, or indeed, let's be honest, my own car collection in the TRT World Headquarters here. Um <laughs> And of all the things there, there was a 1994-5 Alfa Romeo 155 DTM car. No. So full credit to the proper race fans at Hot Wheels, Inc., who were making some really cool stuff. Like, good for you. Uh, and my final hot. Yes, Mark. In, in Germany, we went to the $2 shop and mm. my four-year-old picked up a Bathurst winning Bentley GT3. Outstanding. And then got on the... German bus and told some old duck he sat next to this Bentley won Bathurst and she said <laughs> had no idea. <laughs> bus is dust. Uh, very nice. Um, and finally, uh, I need to give a shout out to one of the officials uh, on the GC on the weekend who stopped a gentleman by the name of Andrew Bender, who is uh, the man behind City Rural Insurance Brokers, a great supporter of this show. And you would have heard about them uh, off the top, if that's indeed where Tony put it, or and in, in the middle as well. right now, yeah. we'll be putting it, and in the middle as well, um, who stopped Andrew and saw he was wearing his city rural hat and, and shirt supporting the super ute that they sponsor, and said, oh, mate, thanks for supporting TRT and On The Grid. So thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, giving both us and our supporter, and a great supporter of our sport, Andrew, and city rural, uh, a warm, fuzzy feeling. That is very, very cool. So uh, that is as hot as it gets, boys. Uh, quick one from me. I was at Phillip Island on the weekend for the Aussie Superbikes. What a, uh, I tell you what, a great weekend. Motor racing, motorcycle racing, motorbike racing is just in really, really good shape at the moment here in Australia. You would have said a little bit of it uh, the week before. Crowley in your following of MotoGP, but what was the hottest thing out of the weekend for me is the racing of Moto3 is the category that we love to watch when GP's on. We've got a similar thing with the Yamaha R3 Cup, the Oceana Junior Cup, and uh, the Supersport 300 category in Australian Superbikes. And you can be leading the last lap at Turn 12 at Phillip Island by... 50 metres and finish 10th. The, the slingshot effect that these bikes get is just absolutely amazing. And as a commentator, it's bloody horrific because you call someone as a leader and then the next turn, someone else is doing it and it's just a, a big swap around. Just to give you one example, though, one of the races of the uh, Oceana Junior Cup, 
first to 16th at the finish of the race, separated by 0.503 of a second. <laughs> first to 16th. That's stupid. Half a second. How hot is that? That's great. So how, how did the commentator pull up after that one? Oh, mate, I was... Well, fortunately at Phillip Island, as you know, you're right over the line. So you get a fairly good view of who you think has won. <laughs> and most of the time you get it right. And I happened to do it in that time, but gee, was there were bikes just going everywhere and it was just, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Straight to the, uh, straight to the timing screen to see who it was, because it's just the, the thing about the junior cup is they're all got blue bikes and exactly the same, oh. exactly the same leathers on. Nice. So you don't know who they are. No, nice. good racing. Good hot. good hot. Good stuff. Uh, Xfinity series from Martinsville, the finish. I'd really love to be able to describe what happened, but there's only so much space in the cloud that we record this podcast to. <laughs> Go and watch it. Justin Allgaier somehow won the race and won his way to Phoenix. The audio from his spotter, Eddie DeHontz, on the internet, and it is literally all time. Uh, everyone had the biggest possible crash they could in the run to the finish line. Cole Custer reversed over the finish line on fire, like properly on fire to clinch his way into the final four. That was good. Uh, Richard Childress racing teammates, Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed led into the final corner and they both crashed, uh, which prompted Richard Childress to say, and I quote, I've had drivers drive for me before, but nobody as stupid as Sheldon Creed. <laughs> so that's a good quote. Well done there. Um, IndyCars, Marco Andretti and his Mrs. Billy Joe Powers dressed up like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift for Halloween. <laughs> Oh, nice. Marco was a little on the short side, but um, Billy Joe absolutely nailed Tay-Tay. Not really relevant to anything, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. Um, <laughs> a question that leads into a hot. When was the last time that the teams that are now Dick Johnson Racing, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, Grove Racing or Tickford Racing didn't win a race on merit during a touring car season? Go on. Yeah. 32 years ago, 1991. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Thank God Ford finally turned up on the weekend. <laughs> so, but even then, over 500 Ks of racing, three hours, 38 minutes, there was 0.38 of a second split yep. Ford from Chevy. Yeah. And not, not artificial either. It was genuine. It, no safety it, car on Sun, on Saturday. If there was one more lap both days, the results mm. were probably different. Mm. I mean, or, mm. or or if Reynolds kept it on the track, which is yep. another matter for another day. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's fair. You go back to Hidden Valley, race 14, the race took 40 minutes, and the difference between Chevy and Ford was 22 seconds. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot better. Um, look, a lot of talk this week about prepaid mobile phone deals. And I've got to tell you, sometimes in life, you just need a burner phone. But, you know, back in the 1990s, I had my prepaid Nokia 5110 and, you know, you spend your whole life looking at how many minutes you've got left and it was a real thrill, you know, it's the sort of thing that you did when you didn't have any other options. But, you know, here we are, 2023, and I could not be happy with my postpaid big boy phone plan from Optus, long-time consistent sponsors of the sport and Chas Mostert. So uh, really good stuff, Optus. I, I appreciate you. Only drug dealers and wankers have uh, been phones. <laughs> Uh, hot, Am I allowed hot to say goes that? to motor car. There's obviously Pete put his money behind the. Je I didn't hear you. No, uh, you break up. Good. Uh, <laughs> obviously Pete put his money behind the Gold Coast 500 motor carnets, which is tremendous. Um, yeah, sure, it's not an extra racing category, but it was great that he wanted to promote grassroots motorsport like that. For instance, on the weekend, the Pack and Auto Club, we hosted a Group Five motor on Sunday, massively well supported. 
In fact, you know, I would extend an invitation to any telecommunications providers who want to support entry-level motorsport to get in touch with the Group 5 organisation. Um, I'm sure the Venn diagram between motorcana participants and mobile phone users has a lot of overlap, so <laughs> keep that in mind. Very good. Uh, hot, the 2012 supercar season, which had 15 events. Imagine that as a concept. Mm. You know, those were the days when supercars just raced everywhere and they just filled up the calendar and it weren't, wasn't constrained by a TV deal that dictated 12 races. And, you know, they went to places like Queensland Raceway, Winton, Phillip Island. I mean, could you imagine next year not going to the Bend and Phillip Island, like our two best racetracks mm. for our premium mm. category? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that hot descended into a knot, but mm, didn't it? Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, Tickford racing their AU Falcons around a sandbine, which up until Saturday was their most competitive outing in quite some time. <laughs> and also hot goes to the fact that they didn't kill anyone, especially with the one that had the roof cut off and it rolled and then started peeing fuel everywhere. <laughs> hasn't the AU hasn't the AU Falcon uh, really come of age? It is just a the, fine wine, isn't it? There, there mm. is a Facebook page, and I realise we're running out of time. There is a Facebook page uh, where, which superimposes the nose of an AU Falcon onto every other car, <laughs> and it's yeah. great. It is the stuff of legend. I need to find that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moff on the SEN radio call. He's a very good commentator. Is our friend Moff. Mm. Uh, call the park. You mentioned it. They've done a lot of work out there. They keep doing work and it's just effort that they're putting into it. Like they mowed all the infield. Like that's something that didn't happen at Sandown and it mm. didn't happen a lot at the bend this year for the supercars rounds. And here we are for a Vic state round and they put a lot of effort into the presentation of the joint. They, they fixed up the curbs. The curbs are awesome. And it's um really shaping up as a, a really good place to, to visit. And um, furthermore, to the caller, they could turn into the ultimate spotters venue for diehard anoraks of all things that are motorized. You know, not only do you have the race cars, but just over the back fence is the Sunbury, Bendigo and Echuca train lines. <laughs> and it's directly under the flight path of Melbourne Airport Runways 09-27. So on Saturday, I not only saw a Singapore Airlines A380, but also several V-line velocity diesel multiple train units. <laughs> which are the wow. high-speed option for the V-Line fleet, Big which joke. is capable of speeds up to 160 k's an hour. And I think you'll find that they're powered by the Cummins QSK19R motor mated to a voice uh, T312 hydraulic transmission. Really enjoyable train to spot in the wild. So it was good <laughs> to see those over the back fence. Big joke. And, and finally, Blendline TV. <laughs> I um, managed to t- chat to Dan from Blendline for an hour for a feature on the race talk, which will probably appear this Sunday if I get around to finishing it. Mm. But uh, I don't know what I'm going to chop out of that interview because I learned everything. I thought I was reasonably familiar with how Blendline operated, but yeah. um, keep your eyes peeled on that because it's, it's a good yarn. It's, it's, it's going to be a very good, good story. Nice. Nuts. Uh, also brought to you by Caltex, uh, who are hot, but they sponsor both parts of this segment. Uh, calendar. Yeah. Well, that, you that, can take uh, this off me. Please go all. ahead. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that's all I'm going to say about it. Calendar, we don't have one. That's that's it. How? Don't know. But anyway, there we go. Uh, not Trickford. That's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually quite like it. I actually quite like it. And it turns out it worked for them. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, power rankings on the racetalk.com, we'll give you all the information there. Not Queensland, rather. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. We don't make the journey... And for some, it's quite an effort to get to the Gold Coast, especially if you don't go via Brisbane. 
Uh, we don't make the journey there for rubbish weather. We go there for our little, little break. Yes, we're there to work. Yes, we're there to enjoy the motorsport. But what we really want is just a week of solid 28-degree blue sky, sunny days. Um, beautiful people everywhere, but it did not deliver until Sunday. At, and then even then, it only just delivered. Um, that's a not. I'm notting Queensland's weather. Not good enough. Deal up. Uh, a quite substantial not to the taxi driver who drove me from the uh, Gold Coast Airport to the ANA on uh, on the Thursday morning, um, who not only went a strange way and ended up going for a little bit on the M1, which at that point of the motorway is entirely under construction. Yep. Uh, and it's 27 lanes wide and every single one of them is under construction. Uh, so therefore took a good amount of time longer than just going up the Gold Coast Highway would have. Um, but also decided that while merging onto said motorway, that he had right of way over a several billion ton truck with two massive pine tree tree trunks on it. Um, and that when the truck continued on its merry path, the truck being quite a lot larger than a Toyota Prius hybrid or whatever rubbish thing we were in, um, got so upset that he just sat on the horn for a solid 90 seconds. Yeah. Uh, like the truck cared. Um, that wasn't particularly great. Also, mate, deodorant's a thing. Just saying, uh, zero stars. <laughs> Did he ever live in Darwin? Home. Uh, so that was, uh, that was <laughs> an unfortunate way, and I'm pleased to say the weekend was only up from there. But uh, I know Uber has had some issues of late, but my rideshare experience back to the airport on Monday was outstanding. Um, so good, good stuff. Um, I... I there's there's one that's a sort of hot knot because we we became friends with a uh, waitress at the restaurant we went to at the House of Brews on Orchid Avenue in Service Paradise on Saturday night, and we start by giving ourselves a hot because she had an, an accent from North America somewhere, and you know what Canadians are like when you say, oh, whereabouts from the US are you from? And they hate it. It's the worst thing. Um, but we we postulated that she was from Canada and we were right. And we became a group of us, not just me, um, male and female, uh, became BFS from that point on. We were talking about the Calgary Flames and everything and ice hockey. That was great. Uh, so that was a hot knot. Didn't get a number. So uh, I'm nodding myself just to round out the knots there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll knot you for that as well. That's yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a blanket knot. So, um, but that was a thoroughly enjoyable dining experience. Uh, my only hot is, uh, sorry, not. my only knot is the fact that it's so hard to do more than one thing at once. When you're commentating a category, like I was on the weekend down at Phillip Island, I got to miss all the stuff that happened in supercars and I got to miss going to quarter. So that's just a knot. I, I wish you could do three or four different things. There's so much great racing happening around the, the place that, uh, yeah, it was just a shame that I wasn't able to watch it all, but I'm glad you guys got to enjoy One knot I did miss, though, is we could have 22 races in Mexico every year. I'd be pretty happy with that. Seven o'clock starts every morning. Yeah, oh yeah the time zone's pretty good. Yeah. yeah very yeah. good. Race not so much, but time zone good. Mm. Ah. All right, bring ah. it home. Right, I had a big diatribe here about how terrible it is having six race meetings at Bathurst and diluting the grandeur of Bathurst and it's a very expensive thing to do and it's a hard thing to do on all the officials and it's a very expensive race to put on because of the amount of resources you need to throw at it. But uh, 
that's a problem for another day. <laughs> uh, I'm going to not Todd Hazelwood missing out in a drive next season. I That's an outcome that saddens me. I mm. like Todd. Mm, I think does. he adds something to the conversation and I'm sad that he will not be in the grid full time next year. Um, posted up some old photos of the Gold Coast Indy on the race talk on Friday morning. And that, that also got me a bit naughty. I, I like the old IndyCar 1993 through 98. I reckon that was absolute prime time. The cars were beasts, big, big name drivers, all the, the gun American teams. That was, um, that was a really good time for the Gold Coast. And, um, oh, look, further to Calder being hot, um, the weather on Saturday morning, there was the literal opposite. Um, now I stood up on top of the Austrian Alps in a blizzard, and I can assure <laughs> you that had absolutely nothing on attempting to stand on top of the Thunderdome as the northerly gale came down the back straight there and literally <laughs> knocked me off my feet. Like it would have yeah. been quite funny to watch. Uh, I we had it down to Phillip Island as well. Oh, it was just my. huge. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, so that was insane. Uh, Trackhouse Racing is the latest team to suffer a NASCAR livery fail. Their jockey outdoor sponsored car of Daniel Suarez on the weekend uh, was completely covered in camouflage, which is great, except if the idea behind race car liveries is being seen by the human eye. Mm. So they um, they had a big old fail there. Uh, Not goes to Denny Hamlin, continues to never having won a NASCAR Cup Series title, 18 seasons, 614 races, 51 wins, including three Daytona 500s. Uh, Hall of Fame career, and his best is second in 2010, even though he's finished fifth or better the last five years. So poor old Denny misses out again. Mm. And in one final NASCAR related knot was the Chevy pace car on the weekend shagged itself on track. Turns out it was a rubber buildup on the tires yoinked the entire wiring loom out of the car. Oh, oh dear. Jeez. I don't know if that's something Chevrolet should have let go out of the factory. If the <laughs> wiring loom can fall out. <laughs> to be fair, like, Goodyear marbles aren't necessarily found on the Pacific Coast Highway, so it's not something you generally worry about with your road car. Hmm. Maybe they should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Always great to catch up. Thank you race, again. Race Sydney this weekend in Sydney. Uh, coverage oh, yes. on Stan Sport, uh, TCR World Tour, so that's going to be a bit of fun, and Trans Am and the final round of Workhorse Radical Cup Australia partner of the racetalk.com. Uh, so get on board with that. That'll be fun. Uh, actually, I should have put it in hots, really, but you can rock up after work on Friday night uh, after five o'clock, 20 bucks. That's and pretty you good. Get Trans Am race, TCR race, and XL race, which is, let's be honest, worth the price of admission, and, uh, and a radical race. So I reckon that's pretty good value, 20 bucks. That is good value. No doubt about it. All right, mate, catch you next week. Mark, catch you next week. You will. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.